Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyer, your host. Hard to believe we're this far into the wonderful month of May already. The weather is getting warmer, much more beautiful, really feeling more and more like summer. And since summer is going to be upon us very soon, I just want to remind you to mark your calendars for a summer event, something we have late in the summer at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, my parish here in Homer Glen, Illinois, which is in the Chicago area. We have our Prairie Fest. It's Friday to Sunday. It's August 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's always the second weekend in August. Lots of fun. You come out, I'll give you a personal tour of our prairie, our award-winning prairie. We have nonstop music for three days with some of the best bands around. All kinds of music, including polka music all day on Sunday. Lots and lots of things to enjoy. You can find out more about it by going to our website, byzantinecatholic.com, byzantinecatholic.com. But it's not too early to mark your calendars for Prairie Fest, Friday to Sunday, August 9th, through the 11th, 2019. It's coming up faster than you think. It certainly is coming up fast for me as we work on planning it. In fact, we actually plan this event throughout the entire year. As soon as the one event ends, we start working on next year's event. It takes that much time and energy. It's a real team effort, but we do enjoy it when people like you come and partake of it. So again, August 9th through the 11th, Friday to Sunday, Prairie Fest. Go to ByzantineCatholic.com and find out about more. You know, the warm weather, especially if it's hot, makes us thirsty. And that means we seek water. This Sunday, in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, there is once again a theme of water by someone who is thirsty. Actually, it's two people who are thirsty. One is Jesus Christ. The other one is a woman. Now, the story comes from John's Gospel. In fact, this Sunday is called the Sunday of the Samaritan Woman, or the Woman at the Well. And John's Gospel is always multi-tiered, and you have to really look at the details. You hear the saying that the devil's in the details. Well, actually, God is in the details. The truth is in the details. 
And John is very, very clever about his use of words and those details, and he oftentimes has things going on at multi-levels. Oftentimes where somebody is speaking on one level and the other person is thinking or speaking on the other level or understanding them on a whole other level. But in the end, it all comes together. But that's the whole lesson. It's very intriguing to read a lot of John's gospel stories. This particular one is about the woman who comes to the well and she's thirsty. Now, we're going to walk through some of the liturgical texts because, as always, these texts give us a lot of insight and a lot of relevancy. And that's the whole point of liturgy, especially in the Byzantine church. I can't emphasize enough that liturgy is not just some kind of ritual that we do because we're supposed to be faithful Catholics and we got to get our obligation in and so on. Liturgy is life. Life is liturgy. Liturgy is the confluence of everything in life. Liturgy informs life, informs all aspects of life, and life is informed by liturgy. Think of it as like the hub of a wheel. Some things are flowing in and out of the hub of that wheel. And liturgy is the same way. So as we enter into liturgy, especially through the liturgical calendar, the different themes, especially now during this Paschal season, we got these marvelous themes. We actually immerse ourselves in the truths of life, things that are very relevant for us. And this is one of my favorites. A lot of people ask me, what's your favorite this or that? They ask me, what's what's my favorite icon that I painted? Or what's my favorite gospel story? Well, I really don't have a favorite, but I do have favorites, plural. I do have ones that I, well, I find to be that, that much more fascinating or maybe irrelevant to me or whatever. And this is one of them, the woman at the well. The whole interchange between Jesus and the Samaritan woman is very intriguing. It's very high-level stuff. And again, it's also multi-leveled. Now, in the liturgical text, for example, in the Vespers for this Sunday, the first verse we're going to look at is from Vespers. It says, At the sixth hour you came to the well, O fountain of wonders. Now, right there, the sixth hour. The sixth hour means 12 noon. It says, You've come at the sixth hour to the well of Fountain of Wonders. Now, there's, again, another little play there, Fountain of Wonders, Fountain, meaning he's the one that is the life source, Jesus Christ. He's the life source. And it says, to ensnare the fruit of Eve, for at that very hour, she had been driven from paradise by the guile of the serpent. Now, you see what happens here liturgically and also scripturally. It's very fascinating. It's You're taking the original players in the story, in the drama, but you're replacing them with the good guys. In other words, the story becomes retold or redone, but in a redemptive way. So now, instead of the evil one, the ensnarer coming to ensnare Eve, a woman, we now have the fountain of wonders. We now have Jesus Christ coming so that he can now ensnare her in his truth. He can liberate her instead of capturing her, as did the devil when he captured Eve and all of humanity from her. In other words, as the liturgical texts say here, to ensnare the fruit of Eve. We've all been ensnared but we have been released by Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection. So it says, to ensnare the fruit of Eve, for at that very hour she had been driven from paradise by the guile of the serpent. So the serpent comes to the first woman, and now this woman is not a serpent, it's Jesus Christ himself who comes. Then it goes on. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, you said to her, O Savior, give me water to drink, and I will give you waters of eternal life. And the woman hastened to the city and proclaimed to the people, Come and see Christ the Lord, the Savior of our souls. You see, Christ thirsted for her soul out of love. 
Not thirst in the sense that he was deprived of something, he lacked something. Thirst means he wanted out of his love her soul, her conversion. And he knew that this was a woman who was acting out of her wounds, out of her hurt. And she was acting, as so many people do today, in a sexual way, a disordered sexual way from her hurts. She had more than one man. She was living with somebody, like a lot of women today, and they think it's normal or acceptable. Jesus Christ recognized that that was not normal, not acceptable. It wasn't ordered. She was doing this out of a neediness, not out of love. And she had multiple men, which means she was very needy. Probably, who knows, she may have been a victim of sexual abuse in her life, or she may just not have had a loving father, not a father at all, but she had some kind of inordinate need for male attention and male connectedness. And Jesus knew that. So he comes to her and he probes her. He does something which is very typical in the Middle East. They like to barter or banter back and forth with wit. They almost like to, in a sense, outwit or argue a bit. And Jesus would do this from time to time in the scripture. And that's what he does with this woman. They go back and forth and she's trying to evade him because she feels him coming towards her. She feels him, in a sense, trying to mystically penetrate into her heart and soul. And she's trying to fend him off because she doesn't want him to come and discover that wound. Just like when we're a little kid, you go to the doctor or even as an adult. We don't like having our wounds exposed. We don't like someone knowing what is wrong with us. Well, it's the same thing with this woman. But Jesus keeps gently pressing forward until he gets the bullseye. He gets to her heart and transforms her. And as the scripture and the liturgical texts say, she runs off to proclaim this to the people. Let's look at some other text. It says, he truly desires to save this woman from the snares of the enemy and to fill her with living water, to extinguish the flames of her passions, for he alone is compassionate and the lover of mankind. And then there's another little play here liturgically. It says, the one who covers the earth with clouds asks water of her. Oh, what a wonder. The one who rides in the cherubim converses with an adulterous woman. The one who suspended the earth on the waters asks for water. You see how cleverly the liturgical texts make this contrast, that here's the one who covers the earth with clouds, and of course we know clouds is moisture, and he's asking water of her. The one who rides in the cherubim converses with an adulterous woman who suspended the earth on the waters asks for water. There's such an irony in this. It's a a mind-boggling irony in that that liturgically helps to magnify this event, the implications of it, the love that Jesus Christ had for this woman. Now, when the woman is touched in this way by Jesus Christ, it says liturgically, as it does in the scripture, it says, come and see the one who knows the secrets of our hearts. Can this be the Christ, the Messiah, whom we await, the one who bestows great mercy? So she goes First, to her nearest community. It's the same thing Jesus would tell the women who were the first to hear of his resurrection. He didn't tell them to go to all the nations. That he said to the apostles, to the men. He told the woman, the women, go to the community. Go to what is closest in proximity and bring the words of life, the message of life there. So she goes to the women who first hear the resurrection, go to the community, to Peter and John and the apostles in the upper room who didn't believe what they, the women were saying. 
So too, this woman goes right back to her village. She didn't go along with Christ to wander and journey with him far and wide. She went back into her own proximity. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this magnificent scriptural passage of the Samaritan woman and the liturgical articulation of that passage. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. This is Bold Talk with Father Thomas Loyola. We live in strange times, full of contradictions, many of which we create and then force upon ourselves. An example. To hear the rest of this and other Bold Talks with Father Thomas Loya, visit TaborLife.org and go to the main menu and click subscribe. This is Bishop Christopher Coyne for OLPH Radio in Burlington, Vermont, and you're listening to Light of the East. Can you imagine living a life without love, marriage, intimacy, sex, having children, or friendship? Of course not. I am Father Thomas Loya with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Why do we desire these things so much? It is because God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a union and communion of persons who united Himself with us in what the Scripture describes as a mystical marriage of fruitful self-giving. Scripture also says that we are made in God's image and likeness, so we too are called to become a union and communion of persons in fruitful self-giving. This is why we cannot imagine living without marriage, intimacy, sex, having children, and friendship. Pope John Paul II said in his Theology of the Body that these are the very things that make us most like God. To find out more about the Theology of the Body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. And again, I want to remind you in advance, it's never too early. It can be too late, but never too early to remind you about our upcoming Prairie Fest. Upcoming is a few months away, but it's still upcoming in my mind. And I want you to mark your calendars and come on out August 9th, 10th, and 11th. That's a Friday to Sunday Prairie Fest. Go to ByzantineCatholic.com and find out more about it. We're talking about an encounter, an encounter between Jesus Christ and a woman at the well. This is the theme for this Sunday in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. And again, there's a theme of love and of water, Jesus Christ and and water. A lot of water themes here. Water is healing. Water is replenishing. Water is life-giving. Water also cleanses. The time of the Paschal season is a time of baptism. So we've got all kinds of layers here. This is really exciting stuff for me. I just don't know how people can't get excited about church, how they can possibly find it boring. Maybe because they don't really know what it is. They haven't really plummeted the depths of it. They haven't really immersed themselves and ridden on the crest of the liturgical cycles, those wonderful waves that immerse us into this mystery. So let's look at another scripture passage which says, 
the woman goes and says, come and see the one who knows the secrets of our heart. So she becomes an evangelizer. And this is what happens when we are truly touched by Jesus Christ. I was talking with a woman recently who had a conversion, went to religious life. And she said to me as we were talking, she said, you know, Father Tom, I've been using the wrong word about myself, about my story for years now. I keep saying that I had a conversion. Not exactly. I realized that what I really had was an encounter, encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was real. It became real to me. Because of certain circumstances, there was a a very alive community that she got involved with as a young adult, and she encountered Christ through that. In other words, this community was evangelizing her just by being serious about Jesus Christ. And once she really encountered Jesus Christ, she was a changed person and totally committed herself to Christ. I wanted to tell others about Christ, just like this woman at the well. Pope Francis uses this term a lot, encounter or accompanying. In other words, we have to have this encounter with Christ. It's not enough to know our faith, to go to church, do all the right things. That we have to do. Yes, that's okay. That's good. But it's got to be an encounter. Then those right things that we do become more than just right things. They're not just legal prescriptions that we meet, and then that way we figure, well, we'll be saved and get into heaven. You know, like that second son, the older son of the prodigal son story. And he told his father, you know, why aren't you celebrating for me? I mean, I've been a good guy. I've kept my nose clean all this time. I've always been obedient to you. I should be, I should be awarded and complimented. But the father threw the big feast for the son who came back because the son had an encounter with Jesus Christ. His faith now was ever more real. His love for the father was ever more real. It just wasn't about duty. I mean, that's okay. That's part of it. But it's not really what it's about. Jesus Christ came so that we would be in relationship with him, an intimate relationship with him, and therefore with our fellow Christians. Let's look at another passage here. Your betrothed and guardian, O Theotokos, was amazed and perplexed when he beheld the mystery of your conception without seed. But he recalled the rain falling on the fleece and the bush burning with fire but not consumed, and the blossoming rod of Aaron. Thus he testified before the priest and cried out, A virgin gives birth and still remains a virgin. Okay, they're speaking about Joseph here. See, what happens in liturgical texts is we're talking about and are praying about, articulating the theme. Today's theme, of course, is the woman at the well with Jesus. But then it breaks away and it'll intersperse some verses about other things, such as in this case, the Virgin Mary and Joseph. This is coming from the Matin service for today. It says, Your betrothed and guardian, O Theotokos, was amazed and perplexed when he beheld the mystery of your conception without seed. But he recalled the rain falling on the fleece and the bush burning with fire not consumed. Okay, these are Old Testament references. Well, so now we get a little bit of a scriptural lesson here through the liturgy of the church. This is called allegorical typology, very typical in the Byzantine approach to the scripture and liturgy. It kind of weds liturgy and scripture together, where there's insights. We look back into scripture. We almost read scripture backwards through the lens of the liturgy. The liturgy looks back and says, oh, this burning bush, the dew that came on the fleece in that story of Gideon and the fleece in the book of Judges. Those kinds of things, the blossoming rod, we look back at those and say, oh, we know what that was. That was Jesus. That was a Virgin Mary. So the whole Old Testament really is a a metaphor for Jesus and his blessed mother. And here it is right there. In this case, it's Joseph who's basically personifying us. 
we are basically taking on the the lens of Joseph. We're seeing things through his eyes. And but he's he's speaking, he's speaking for us. And he comes to this realization by thinking back on these allegories, on these metaphors, and realizing, you know, he kind of puts them together. Oh, the golden fleece, the blossoming rod, the bush was not consumed. Ow, oh, now I get it. This wife of mine that I'm betrothed to, this mysterious, incredible woman, is that person was personified, foreshadowed in what I know as a good, righteous Jewish man from the Scripture, from the Old Testament, from the book, the Pentateuch, the law, and the prophets. Now I see what I read and knew about growing up. That's her. That's my wife, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Some other texts now. O Lord, you are the living water who built your dwelling place above the waters. You gave the Samaritan woman the water she asked for as she acknowledged your infinite mercy. Okay, once again, the reference using water to the majesty of Christ. But it also says you gave the Samaritan woman the water she asked for. What waters was she asking for? Now, this is a great insight into prayer. A lot of times we wonder if our prayer is ever being answered. Sometimes we think it's not being answered. I was talking to someone who was praying very hard about a real heartache in their life, and I said, you've got to turn to God. You have to talk to God. And the woman said to me, I have been, but he ain't showing up. (laughs) He wasn't answering her prayer as she had hoped or wanted on her terms, at least not now. God's action is still out yet. It's not finished yet. But here is an important part of prayer, to understand prayer and how God answers our prayer. He always answers But he answers, because he's a loving father, he generally answers what we're really praying for. Now, sometimes what we're really praying for and what we actually seem to get are one and the same, but it's not always. God is going to give us what is best for us, not necessarily what we want. And so, in a sense, he still answers our prayer because he's answering what our deeper yearning is. So, the Samaritan woman was her yearning for Was it for water? What was she thirsting for? She was thirsting for love, for her own self-possession, her own true identity of herself as made in the image likeness of God, as being loved by God and cherished by God. She was searching for the value and integration of her own femininity. She was searching to be loved. That's what she was thirsting for, not water. Nor was Jesus thirsting for water. Yes, he was, but again, that's a metaphor. It's one level here, one of the tiers of the story. Jesus is really searching for and thirsting for her happiness, for her to find that intimacy. So in a sense, they were looking for each other. And the water was just a metaphor for what they were both thirsting for. They were thirsting for intimacy with one another. So when God seems to not answer prayer, try to look at it more deeply. Try to look at what is it you're really asking for. You know, Jesus is asking for water, but he really was asking for her heart and her soul. And Jesus will always look at what it is we're really asking for. And that's why our prayer sometimes is answered in a different form, and we think it's not answered. But it actually is. It's answered on God's terms in his own way because only he knows what is best for us. Let's look at one more verse here. Your womb, O Mother of God, has become the holy table on which the heavenly bread, Christ our God, now rests. Those who eat this bread shall never die, as he who satisfied the whole world had promised. 
Imagine, your womb, O Mother of God, has become the holy table on which the heavenly bread, Christ our God, now rests. Imagine the personification of the altar as the Virgin Mary. She is the holy table upon which the heavenly bread, Christ our God, now rests. So an incredible analogy, incredible metaphor there. Another, Again, another breakaway to a verse that is referring to the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God. And, and the liturgical text will do this. They'll, they'll break away from the theme and they'll touch upon a theme that usually has to do with the Virgin Mary or maybe for the saint of the day or Jesus Christ himself. So whenever we are looking at our own relationship with Jesus Christ, think about this passage, this story from John's Gospel because it's a great lesson for us, a great lesson in how Jesus Christ continues to pursue us as he did to that woman, gently, sometimes imperceptibly. And our place is to seek him out, to be open to him. Jesus Christ loves an open heart. It's like a vacuum that God will rush into. And we see all of that, and we're aided in all of that by the liturgy the liturgical prayer and text of the church. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Monsignor Charles Pope. And I always say to my my people, my parishioners, for you I'm your pastor, with you I'm your brother, but from you I'm your son, because they have formed me so beautifully over the years and taught me to trust God and to praise God. And they brought the Holy Spirit alive in me in just ways I could never have imagined, you know, coming out of seminary. I had all the intellectual stuff in the seminary, but my priestly heart has been formed by my people. Morning Glory, Monday through Saturday, 7 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!